Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. We have this theme going that I barely even touched on the name of the theme last week because I just had something burning on my heart about faith last week, remember, right? Like the mustard seed thing and faith of a mustard seed. It's not so much about how small your faith is, but how long will you hold it and wait for what will come of it? How long are you going to wait and believe and not give up on what God's promised you? Because that's like, well, I tried that mustard seed thing for like a whole week and it didn't happen. That's not what Jesus meant. You little faith didn't work. No, how little faith required, like that faith of a mustard seed is like it's this big and it becomes like this tree that overwhelms homes and buildings. Like so big, okay? But that takes time for that fruit to come, all right? So that's that. And that is, it's so part of this unstoppable theme that we're talking about all month, okay? We're talking unstoppable, and then as we picked that theme, it just so happened that Josiah, one of the songs on his CD he's releasing this week is Unstoppable. That's the one you heard at the beginning. I'm like, that's crazy, and I really, I had no way of knowing that, and we just kind of picked, like, what's the name that we can go for this year or this month? And we believe Unstoppable is important because guess where you're headed in the next few weeks? School. Ah. Stop it. No, listen. You haven't learned anything. Do I have to just say the same thing again? If what you believe your year is going to be is probably what you'll get out of it. Okay? Oh, yeah, that's probably how it'll be. How about, right? Yeah. It's like I guarantee if you're like, man, this is going to be the worst year ever, it probably won't be anything else. What, what school? Right here? You can talk to, yeah, talk to Samuel's school. Yes. Not this, this, I don't make that decision. Talk to the guy who does afterwards. Okay, here we go. Does this make sense? What if you sowed seeds into your school year that were something better than last year? Well, well, well but, but Ben, no way. It can't be good. It's school. That's what you thought last year. Look what you got. Right? It's funny. Don't laugh at my laughing. All right? Don't worry. You can't make me self-conscious. I'm not dependent on you for my whatever, identity. Whatever. I lost the word. It's not there. So, but really, guys, I want you to believe. I want you to know. I want to declare over you that you are an unstoppable force with God. That's a key part of it. You go it alone you're probably screwed. No, I'm dead serious because the all bets are off apart from God. God has invited you in to victory, invited you into his kingdom, and we know he wins. So he's given you an option. Come with him or figure it out on your own. But there's only one way. So does this make sense? I'm being mean, right? How dare you, Ben? Yes, but it's truth. So you go it alone. You're like, no, I don't really need the God thing. I'm going to figure it out. I'll tell you where it'll end up, and you'll come back to me 20 years from now and say, you were right again. Yeah. Yeah, right. I know. Ben, you were right. Okay. No, I'm serious. The road, what, I don't know. I don't know what the quote was. I lost it. But God's called you into something incredibly powerful, and when you When you decide to unite yourself in with that plan, with that kingdom, you have a guaranteed win. 
an absolute guaranteed win, and you are, in fact, unstoppable everywhere you go. How do I know? I'm going to give you four strategies for your month and your school year, okay? Four strategies. Are you ready? The first one is look up. Yeah, there you go. I got a verse for that. We're going to start right here. It says, um, it's the first one, Psalm 4016. Put it up there, Brent. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, great is the Lord. All who seek you get to be glad and rejoice. How many of you like being glad and rejoicing? The rest of you like just misery. Nope, I'd rather be sad, Ben. Don't tell me to be happy. You're full of it. You're trying to be funny at youth groups. Everybody giggles at you, but... What are you making people do? Joyful happiness. So stop it. You totally want to be happy, every one of you, okay? Seriously, it's like, and you want to make people happy. It's a natural desire of the human condition is to be happy and full of joy. Seek God. Look up. Find the face of God. What's that next verse on there? Um, Psalm 63.1. Is that it? Yes, you got it. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. How many of you ever feel like that? In a dry and parched land, yeah, like especially when you go to school, yeah, like, oh, right? Or whatever it might be. It's like, no, right? This is the, the solution, the answer is start here. Look up, find satisfaction in the one who actually can deliver it. Because everywhere else you look, you get a mouthful of sand. You're in a desert, okay? The only source of water is supernatural water. It doesn't just show up when you're in a dry and, and like, what's the right word? Dry and parched. Parched. It's a Napoleon Dynamite quote, right? Can I have a cola? Or do you have any cola? Is that what it is? I'm like 99.9% parched, okay, right? That's the quote, right, from the movie, pretty close. Anyway, so here we go. This is a good one, too, and I hope this is the right translation that's up there. I forget what translation I looked it up. Yes, this is it. Amos 5.14, which we, like, never hear anything out of the book of Amos. How many of you didn't even know that it was a book in the Bible? Amos, it's right before Obadiah. You know him? Not real well, probably. All right, here we go. Seek, seek, seek. Good. That, what is seek also similar to? Look, okay, seek good, not evil, that you may live. How many of you want to live, like really live? Remember we talked about living? Yes, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you. How about that? Good idea? Good idea, yes. I love this, just as you say he is. This caught me off guard a little bit when I found something. No, uh Because it actually says right here, if you seek good, not evil, you will live. Then God will be with you just like you say he is. So it's not just a matter of saying he is. It's a matter of saying he's with you and seeking after him. And then he'll actually be with you like you said he was. Do you catch how that works? Because just going, God's with me. But not seeking him, you just left the trail that he's on. Because when you seek him, like I said, when you unite with the kingdom of God and say, God, I want to do it your way, then you're with him and he's with you. But you could depart away. And not to say that God isn't everywhere, but you want God to be with you, with you. Does that make sense? On your team with you, not just present because he is everywhere, but actually 
relationally engaged with you at every moment in time. That requires you seeking good, seeking after God, going for it. Okay, number two. What was number one? Look up, right? Look up. Okay, here's the next one. Look in. No, not actually. That's part of looking up. This is God's word. It's where you find him. Look in. Where are you going to look in? What? Where? I heard something over here. What? Inside of you. Inside you. Oh, my gosh. Get this. And there's a specific order to this, guys. Listen. Listen. There's a specific order to this. You look up and get a picture of who God is. You look in and you get a picture of who you are in relation to who God is. If you start looking in and try to figure yourself out apart from God, you get a distorted, messed up version. Seriously. So you start by looking up, get a picture of who God is, find out who he is, submit yourself to that way of living. Seek out good, not evil. Turn that way, and then you, with an understanding of what God's like, and you don't have the whole picture, but with that understanding that you begin to gather, you go inside and look at yourself. That's scary, right? Yeah, some of you love doing it. I see it on the Instagram. Anyway, oh, snap, right? Okay. I said it. Okay, so here, I got a verse for this, too, just to make it holy again. All right? Psalm 139. Get this right here. This is David. He is a pretty good poet, songwriter guy. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What's the next verse? 24. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is looking inside. It's participating with, not, with God. It's not going like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a loser. Okay, no, it's looking inside with the eyes of God. Because David submits and he goes, look, he spends like all of Psalms like worshiping and praising who God is and talking and seeking God. All those, two of those three first verses were David saying, seek after God, seek after him. And then he says, God, now do it in me. Look at my life, examine my life and expose anything, anything that's not like you. If there's any offensive way in me, let me know about it and lead me in the way everlasting because whatever is not good that's in me, tear it out like a weed, right? Come on, like tear it out. How many of you pull weeds at home? No, I mean, no, that's my mom's job. Stop it. All right, no, seriously, it might be. No, go help her. Watch, watch what happens when you go help your mom pull weeds. But listen, if you've ever pulled weeds and you go out there half-heartedly and you just break them off at the ground, two days later they're bigger than they were when you started. It's like, <gasps> but what do you have to do with a root? you got to pull what out? The whole thing. You almost some. You guys are very talkative tonight. All right. Okay. Listen, you got to get down there. Sometimes you got to dig, loosen up the dirt, and you got to get as much of that root out of the ground with it as you possibly can so it doesn't come back. This verse, God, examine my heart. Look into me. See my life. Find anything in me that's offensive and rip it out like a bad root. Listen to me right now. I'm going to be mean. Okay? That's my growl. All right. 
That's offensive. <laughs> All right, no, I'm kidding. All right, listen. Yes, Lord. No, okay. I don't know what that was. Probably me holding this, if I wiggle this or something. Anyway, listen. Listen to me. When you get to a good place and a healthy, it's called mature place, where you can make this prayer a reality in your life, God, show me where I'm off and teach me how to not live that way anymore. Okay, here's the real test and trial of your faith, of your pursuit of God, and how much of God you've given your life. Like how much of like your life you've given to him. Okay, this is what it, what it does is do you actually do anything with it? Because it's really easy to be like, oh, yes, God, examine my heart. Oh, don't, don't, don't mention that part. Not that part. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I want to keep doing that. <laughs> I really, really like doing that. Why? No, God, for real? And then we decide to ignore because we really didn't mean what we prayed when we said, God, show me. So what we do is then we continue to live our life going, well, I know he called me out on that one, but so I'll just kind of do this. But like, and we start to live our lives on a line. How many of you get that concept where you're kind of like, there's the sin line and you're like, well, I'm good. I'm good. But any moment that you accidentally stumble and fall, how many of you would do this on the edge of the Grand Canyon, despite your mom's most dread, stand right on the edge and be like, I'm fine. You know why moms are terrified when you do that? Because they watched you stumble and fall for several years as a small child. Okay, they're going like, they're not worried that you're standing on the edge. They're worried because you're clumsy. And when, listen, look at me. And I want you to catch the seriousness of my statement is when you walk on the edge, one stumble means death. The same is true in the things that you know you ought to keep away from. That last verse, right? Seek good, not evil. Standing on the edge of sin at every moment of your life, you're just waiting for disaster when you have one weak moment. If you live your life over here and the line is over there, a stumble makes you go, oh, I don't even want to be over there. And you're not in risk of dying when you make a mistake because you don't live your life so close that you're on the verge of death at every moment. Do you catch this? Though I know you don't like to hear this because it gets in your heart. Guys, this is the call of Jesus Christ upon your life. I know we talk a lot about the goodness and the grace of God, and it's all true. God is good. God loves. God is so gracious, so forgiving. But this life is stupid. And Jesus would tell you the same thing, okay? I'm serious. This is idiocy to walk the line of life going like, hey, look, I'm totally good. I'm making it into heaven. Great, whatever. But one stumble means disaster in your life. John Leach loves to say it like this, okay? He loves, this is one of my favorite quotes John Leach has ever said. He's one of our pastors, if you don't know him at all. He says, you're always two bad choices away from a world of hurt. And I believe it's completely 100% true. One bad choice says, I'm going to go hang out with this group of people. The next bad choice is, I'm going to do what this bad group of people do. And you're in a world of hurt. Two bad decisions. You can make one good decision and stay two bad decisions away from a world of hurt. But that first decision puts you on the line. You might be, I'm fine. I'm not doing anything wrong. I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. 
And I know I sound like a dad, and most of you are like, my parents, my parents have been talking to him. Okay, now, guys, it's such a truth, and you've all experienced it. So don't be like, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about, Ben. No, I totally do, because I did it. Okay? Oh, uh, yeah. Walk on that edge like, yeah, I'm such a good Christian. But, yeah, I really, really, really like that girl that I should not like. <laughs> and I'm going to hang out with her in places I shouldn't hang out. Because I'm a good Christian, but it's okay. We're not going to do anything bad. I'm just gonna, we're just going to hang out where we shouldn't be right now. That is one bad decision on the way to a world of hurt. You catching me? Come on, this is real for every single one of you. It may not be boys and girl thing or whatever. It might be, it maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's just telling lies to your parents. Living on that edge of I'm not going to give them the whole truth because I don't really want to. Yeah, and then the next, you didn't, get, you didn't really lie, but you didn't give them the whole truth about what you were doing with your friends that night? Oh, yeah, shoot. Yes, we know. We're not stupid, parents. We're not stupid, I promise. I'm a dad, okay? We're not stupid. Well, you think, ha, huh, dream on. All right. Seriously, it catches up to you because then the one little slip up in that moment is, oh, now you really have to lie to cover up the rest of what you did. Right? Maybe you didn't lie to your parents to get in the situation, but gosh, one bad thing happens in that situation, you're going to build a pile of lies to try to get out of it. And then trust goes through the floor. Yeah, I've experienced that myself. Okay? Again, I'm, I'm talking to me too right here, okay? Not preaching, kind of. Catch me here? Like, what if your life lived so far from the line that it wasn't ever about compromise? And you weren't in a, because look, we all, yeah, we hear that all the time. Yeah, I'm just, you know, we all sin, we all make mistakes. Yeah, but we don't all live on the line. So a little mistake doesn't mean death if you're not walking on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Okay? Catch me? I'm going to say it over and over. You're hearing me. Okay? So look up. Get a picture of who God is. Look in. Figure out where you are in relation to that and say, God, lead me in the way everlasting. I don't want to live on the line. I want to live in righteousness because that's what Jesus paid for on the cross. You don't earn righteousness. You walk in righteousness. Okay? You walk in it. Jesus paid for it, provided it. It's all good. It's all there. It's all available. But you can live anywhere in righteousness that you want to, but some parts of righteousness teeter into stupid. Okay? You got a lot of freedom to live in your righteousness as a believer in Jesus. But don't set yourself up to fail. Good? Look inside. Clear it out. Okay? And say, God, lead me out of that way of thinking, that pattern of life. I don't want it. Third one, look around. What do you think that's talking about? You've got wonderful people around you. You really do. Look at This is not, look, what did I say at the beginning? If you go it alone, apart from the kingdom of God, you are bound to fail. Okay, I got verses for this, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. First one, Ecclesiastes 4.12. This is, how many of you even know that's a book? Okay. Good, I know. You, you recited it in your books of the Bible once. And, okay, Ecclesiastes is a wild book, but it's known as one of the wisdom books of the Bible. Okay, so pay close attention to it. Though one may be overpowered, it's talking about people, 
Two may be able to defend themselves, but a, a cord of three strands, what? Three strands is very hard to break. Can you take that off his head and not do that anymore? We're, we're, we're not in Travis's class anymore. Okay. And that's not a stab at Travis. It's a stab at elementary school. We're not there anymore. Okay. All right. We grow out of things. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right. Ecclesiastes 4.12. We said this one already, right? One gets blown out. Two might be able to just survive. Three, oh, that's a force to be reckoned with. Surround yourself with people. Okay, look around you and find the gifts in people. You might be an amazing, amazing Christian who knows Jesus and you worship better than everybody else and you hear God better than everybody else. And guess what? You're going to get knocked over flat on your butt if you don't unite with people around you who might in some ways be weaker than you. <gasps> but they're after God. Spiritually speaking, we can get really puffed up in Christianity and be like, oh, no, I don't really hang out with people that are below me. <laughs> We're like only the prayer group hang out together. You know, and we get real like, and maybe you are really good at praying and you have a group of people that pray really well together. But guess what? If all you ever hang out with is the prayer group, you're probably not going to go out and reach people real well because you need an evangelist in your group who loves to talk to people, who loves and feels a desperate need to find people hearing the truth about God. And in your group of people, you need a prophet, somebody who totally hears God. And in your group, you need a pastor, somebody who loves to take care of people. Do you catch this? They're all very, very different. And you need leaders. And maybe you are one. Maybe you aren't one. Maybe in one group of friends you're a leader, in one group you're not. That's okay. You can be really great at what you do, but be very aware that the people around you are necessary to everything that happens around you. The Bible talks about the body of Christ being made up of many parts, right? How many of your bodies have many parts? I don't see any Mike Wazowski, one big giant eye with a couple arms. None of you, right? Yeah, because that would be weird. If you were made up of one type of body part, it'd be, what is that movie, The Spy Kids, The Thumbs? You know, right? That's so weird to me, okay? Sorry. They have four thumbs? Whatever. Shh. Okay, back here. I know. I went back to elementary school. I'm sorry. Okay. Shh. 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 Back here. Do you get what this looks like? Your body requires many different parts that do very different things, and one part of your body sucks at something, but another part of your body is really good at that thing. Like, I have never tried to wash dishes with my nose because it wouldn't really work. Or my eyeball. Like, I don't try to, like, I don't, right. Because, but does that mean that my eyeball is worthless? Obviously not. Do you get this? It's like, oh, man, my hands, they can't see anything. I don't even need them. But we get this way in Christianity where we think, wow, I'm just going to hang out with eyeballs because I'm an eyeball and we're going to be so powerful together. Because guess what? Look at me. It is so easy to hang out with people like yourself. Duh. Anybody can do that. 
But it takes the act of God and the unity of the Holy Spirit to cause one eyeball to say, wow, I need an eye socket, and we need a head, and we need a neck, and we need arms, and we need a body. Right? People that are so different and look really different than us that we desperately need to be functional human beings. Look at me. This is what maturity looks like. You're going to be like, oh, no, we're so much more mature than that group of people. No, you're not because you're not friends with any of them. Oh, snap. Do you hear what I'm saying? Look around you and see the beauty and the variety of people around you and stop being stuck up. Like, And I'm not, like, pointing at anybody. Stuck up and so obsessed with, wow, my group of people are so cool. Why are they weird? Because guess what? That weird group, yeah, for those of us that love Instagram, we need some nerds to keep us, uh, like, excited about our apps and make updates. I have no idea what goes into an update, but I love them. I want new, I want new Snapchat filters, but some nerd in a computer lab has to make those. So if I don't appreciate nerds, we have a problem. Do you hear what I, I might be a nerd, which is problematic. I know, I get it. Okay. But does this make sense? Like, we are so in need of one another's gifts, even though they're so different. We've got to begin, and it all starts again. Look up. See God. Look in. Clean yourself up. Then look out and present yourself as part of the body and be like, look what I do. You can't find that without the first part. You get all lost and confused and like, I think I'm a tomato. Like, yeah, okay, I think I'll be this this week. I'm identifying this way. Like, hello? Mm, I know, I just, psh, that's a tough spot. Get Where do you think that spirit comes from that doesn't know who they are? It didn't come from looking up and finding their face in God and going like, God, clear me out. Make this pure. Make this clean. Then you know who you are, and you're not like, I'm a this question mark. Like, literally, that's a category now. Like, I just don't know. Like, look up. Maybe you'll figure it out. There's truth in the face of God. And then you figure out who you are, and then you're just amazing for the people around you, and you're necessary. So when you walk in this room, I know you all have groups of friends, and most of you only see each other here during this time of the week, and I get that. Make a connection and look around. Look around in this room and see the people that are like, wow, I've never, ever talked to them. They look nothing like me. They probably don't like anything that I like. Let's go talk to them. Do you, like, does that make sense? Your eyes don't like wearing gloves. But your hands probably do when you're doing hard work. It's like, do you get this? It's like, we have nothing in common, eyeball and hand, except that we need each other. Good luck, right? Ooh, I'm hungry. I know. My eyeballs can't help me there. But they can help me find the food to put it in my mouth. I need a mouth to deal with it. Okay? Like, I, you get this, right? There's another verse. What's the next one, Brent? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, this doesn't mean you have to agree on every single thing. 
Do you understand this? Because eyeballs and hands would have a weird, you know, argument about what's best. But at the end of the day, they need each other, and they agree on that. Does that make sense? Eyeballs think that moisture is very important. Hands are like, look, I just got to stay warm in the winter. Like, they worry about different things. They have different opinions. It's okay to disagree, but you still understand that you're needing one another in your lives. Do you get that? That's what unity looks like. You're going to be different. You're going to disagree. You might be rock star better at something than someone around you. That doesn't make them inferior to you. Right? And gosh, especially on the stuff that people have no control over. Yeah? The genetic like lottery of looks and body types and height and short and this and that that we compare ourselves based on that somehow, wow, I just, I won the genetic lottery and I'm gorgeous. What's wrong with you? As if they have anything to do about it, but we rape people. Look at me. Am I right? We rape people on something that they have zero control over. We forget that they have a heart and that we need them. So we separate ourselves based on, come on. That's been something that's been breaking my heart in the last couple years that I just continue to just go like, God, how can I purify my mind from seeing people according to the flesh? Because I have no desire for that. Because it's very temporary what we see in the flesh. And guaranteed when we're all 80, we're going to be saggy and looking different. So we get real. I know, that's not that far away. Ha, ha, ha. Okay? The inevitable gut is coming to all of you, studly boys. All right, okay. I'm just kidding. No, I don't speak that over you. I say, I say perfect bodies. Okay, whatever that might be. Don't look. Are you hearing me? Like, this is so huge that we stop seeing people on these terms. You want to be an unstoppable force in your school? How about not being as worried about you as you are about everyone around you and becoming what they need because they don't even know they need you until you show up and meet the needs in their life. And then suddenly, people respond to love and kindness and the presence of God in your life. And suddenly, you're like, whoa, everything I worried about before I started serving everybody else just got solved because now I'm appreciated, I'm loved, I'm valued for who I really am. But we spend all our time going like, I don't know what to do. I got to make sure I'm all, <laughs> like we get all internal and then we're worried what everybody's thinking, what everybody's thinking. What if you just worry about everybody else in the room? You suddenly command the room. I heard Rush Limbaugh, you guys know him. He's like controversial conservative talk show host. He made this statement that I heard like three, four years ago. He said, he said, the person who owns a room is the person in the room who's not worried about themselves. Because you walk into a public space, into a public room, 99.9% of the people in the room are worried about what everybody thinks of them. If you become the one person who worries about what you think of everyone else, like literally like going and meeting and not being consumed by that, you control the atmosphere of the room. This is like major, huge talk show host. He walks into a room and he's like, I am who I am. He's overweight and he's this and he's that. He walks into a room and he starts to engage people where they're at and goes like, hey, I am this. I'm bringing me and I'm serving and loving people around me and engaging people. And he will stop a room of people, like whether you agree with him or not. He's a powerhouse of a human being 
in a public environment because he doesn't freak out about what everybody's thinking of him. Okay? Catch me afterwards, all right? Ask me. Cool. Catch me after outside. Okay, whatever. I'm still praying for her. Uh, that's not a fight, I promise. Okay? I'm going to be almost done here. Okay, here's the, here's the last one. There were four. Oh, yeah, we're totally, we got time. Nine o'clock, we are done. Try to be done before that. I'm not going to take that long, okay? Listen, we look up, we look in, we look around, and guess what? The next one is look out. Oh, look out, devil, is what I mean by that. Look out, look out, depression, suicide, confusion, misery, bullying. Look out the spirits and strongholds in your school, in your world that exist right now because the minute you look up, figure out who you are, look inside, clean up anything that's not like God, look around, gather with people and appreciate their value in your life and how much you need them. Can you imagine what the devil has no chance at? And I was going to show a video clip controversial tonight. I don't think we have time for it at this point, but if you've ever seen the movie Gladiator, this clip is like extremely bloody and gruesome, so I don't know that we'll do it tonight. But look at me, and it's a holy moment right now. I don't want to ruin this, okay? Seriously, I think God is, seri- like, the Holy Spirit is moving in this room, and God is speaking to your hearts in cool ways right now, and I want to stay on that track. But I'll, the scene when they all are put in the arena, in the Colosseum, they're the slaves that have been captured or whatever, and this is what they did in the Roman Colosseums is they would put the slaves and people they wanted to just get rid of in the middle of a Colosseum, and they, they would put on a show, and they'd set up like this whole scenario. They'd reenact old battles from the Roman Empire where little puny groups of people got destroyed by the Roman Empire, okay? So they'd put these slaves out in the middle, and they do this in the movie Gladiator. He is put in the middle with this group of like 12 or 14 other slaves, that they basically, and they are like, they do this whole, and the crowds are screaming, and yeah, we're going to reenact this battle with the Roman Empire, totally wiped out this group of people. And um, what's his name, the main character? Russell Crowe, I forget his, in the, in the movie, Maximus. So as, as they're announcing the whole storyline, and the gates are about to open, and then like the, the Roman Empire, like warriors come out, and it's a way top, like, like uneven battle and they come out with way better weapons and all these guys are like in the middle like with nothing okay is russell crowe pulls all the guys he like he's like if we stay together it's our only hope of survival if we stay together stay here together pull together it's this whole thing and i can't say it as cool as him because i'm not cool like him but but i'm awesome all right listen he pulls them together, and then all of a sudden, he's like, no matter what comes out of that gate, if we, if we stay together, it's our best chance of survival, which they're not supposed to survive. The whole thing is set up to eliminate these guys so they don't fill up the jails. Literally, they're supposed to all die, and this was entertainment in the Roman days. Like, we watch it on movies now, and it's fake blood and fake weapons, and they did it for real. Like, hey, like, kill people. Like, kind of sick and disgusting. But this guy, he pulls in, and you start this whole thing. The chariots come out, and they have these big sharp knives that go on the, on the center of the wheels and as they drive by somebody just slices them in half. It's pretty wild. Okay, and it actually happens in the clip. It's pretty gruesome. But listen, as this happened, some of the soldiers didn't listen to him and they ran off onto the sides by themselves and they got speared in the back or shot or killed. So all these guys start dying, but there's this group of people that stay, guys that stay right in the middle 
with their shields, and the chariots come raising down, and he, like, calls out. He's like, as one, and they all pull down and lock their shields together, and the chariot goes boom and flips over, and it like, and then it's like they start killing people, and then they come again, and they lock together again, and they boom, and it turns out that the slaves win the whole thing and kill all of the Roman, like, guys that are not supposed to die in the battle at all, none of them. And then, like, the emperor guy is sitting up there going to the guy who's, like, the announcer. He's like, uh, excuse me, my history's foggy, but I think the, uh, I think Rome was supposed to win this one. <laughs> and he goes, yes, you're right. And the crowd's going nuts because it was a turn of events and all this stuff. But, guys, there's such this powerful reality and this unstoppable force when there's leadership in the people that you hang out with. Be a leader. Follow a leader. Choose your leader well. Does that make sense? You don't have to be the top dog in every group of friends you hang out with. But your top dog, if you're not that one, better be leading you well to wise decisions and not getting you into stupid trouble. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And if your group of friends gets in trouble a lot, become a leader. Set the tone. Be like, no, guys, let's do something productive. Become an unstoppable force because every one of us needs somebody to pull us in the right direction. And I'm serious. We have promises from God on this. The next verse, I've got two more, I think. Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. How many of you like that promise right there? Okay, put your hands in the air. Come on. That's from Jesus. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. That's a figurative thing. It's not like, oh, go out in the desert and kill some insects, okay? No, it's like that was a picture, okay? And then it says right there to overcome all the power of the enemy. You've been given authority in Christ by his Holy Spirit to do this. So put your hands up. Say, God, I receive this promise. I need you. I need to see you so I can see me, so I can know the people around me and serve the people around me, so I can walk in the authority to trample on every power of the enemy and destroy it. Come on. Amen. One more thing. Next verse. That was one part of prayer. We pray a lot of times tonight, okay? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Is it the next one? I might have wrote it down wrong. What's the next verse? Can you go to 36 easy? I'm sorry. Nope. Okay, shut it off, whatever. I forgot the verse. But it's essentially this. You are overwhelmingly victorious is what the whole verse talks about. A promise from God. You will be overwhelmingly victorious. How many of you want to be? Not just barely make it. Now that's not the one. You're not sheep like slaughter. Anyway, that's part of it. That's a whole other teaching, but yeah, that's part of it. Look, Jesus sent out his disciples and said, look, you're going to be under attack. Guess what? I'm not going to blow smoke at you and be like, oh, it's going to be perfect. Guess what? You're going to be under attack. But how good is a movie if there's no fight scenes? Lame. Come on, right? Like, 
I know I just love love stories. No, anyway, come on. And get this. Oh, this was a little snippet that I'll finish with somewhere in here. I've noticed this recently that all the superheroes, how many of you like superheroes? Yeah. The superheroes are all figuring out the kingdom of God in the last several movies. They're all coming together on teams. The lone wolf thing is no longer the authority in even superhero world. They're, they're, they can't do it by themselves now. They're like, hey, we got to work together. We gotta, I don't know the technical terms for any of it or who's with who and all that stuff. But I've noticed all these movies are coming out and they're all pulling together, pulling together. They're getting, this is a kingdom principle of needing one another. Yeah, you might be really rock star at something. But where you're weak, you need somebody who's really strong. So look around you. Look out. Find the people around you. And surround yourself with good people. Don't bubble yourself in, though. Can you stand up? I'm going to finish talking about this. Your butts are sore. I know. Ah. Okay. Stay with me, though. Okay? Listen. Do not bubble yourself in. If you got out of this like, oh, Ben just wants me to go to church seven days a week and hang out with Christian people all the time, That's not what I'm saying. Surround yourself with people that you need and that need you and go flipping obliterate the forces of darkness in your world. Go step into the party scene at your school with a group of people. Three chords are not easily broken. Don't go with your favorite boyfriend or girlfriend, favorite at the time, be like, oh, we're going to go bring Jesus to the party scene. You're probably walking on the edge. You go with a group of three solid people, and you go and change the environment in a place and love people well. You don't go in there and be like, you're all bad and you shouldn't drink. Okay? You go in there, and you go, look, look, if you can be there and you can be strong with three people that know, hey, look, we're not going to walk on the edge. We're going to go change an environment. It's a different way of looking at the world. You go and you make sure that your friends get home safe at night so they're not getting into a car, smashed drunk, and running off the road, and you don't have them tomorrow. You go find and change a culture and serve and love people well. Clean up the house after everybody destroys it. <gasps> Come on. What if the kingdom of heaven began to engage our world and stop doing Oh, we just did church. That's not what I'm preaching tonight. But if you don't start with a solid group of people, you're going to get ripped out into the, into the riptide of the ocean of this stuff. Don't go at it alone. Jesus, son of God, took 12 guys with him. They weren't perfect, but they were solid. They were committed. He took 12 guys with him, and he obliterated darkness everywhere he went. Cast out demons, raised people from the dead, took out sickness and illness all over the place. That's possible. And it should be happening through you, not when you're 28 years old and 40 years old and 60 years old. What if 15-year-olds are going like, hey, let's shift the environment of this group of people that hang out together and like just love and serve and have wisdom Engage your world, okay? Put your hands up for just a minute. I just want to pray. God, I thank you for these young hearts. I thank you for these incredible
young lives and all that they represent, their gifts, their callings, their strengths and their weaknesses. God, I thank you. And God, I pray right now that you would shine a light into every heart in this room, God. We prayed this beforehand um, when we were in staff prayer at the beginning or not staff prayer, pre-service prayer, whatever. We prayed this, that God would shine a light into every heart tonight, that things would get exposed. When light comes on, things that were hidden suddenly appear. And we want the Holy Spirit to come and shine light on things. Like that verse that we said, search my heart and know me, God. Reveal any offensive way in me. Shine a light on it so I can see it and root it out. Pulling weeds in the pitch dark is really hard to do effectively. Shine a light on it. Find the problem and deal with it. Now look, God gave me this little phrase as we prayed that. I said, it's not for the sake of shame because it's not about shine a light on all your imperfections and wow, you should feel terrible about that. But it's for the sake of glory. To reveal the things in your heart that are offensive and unlike God is not for you to feel bad about. It's for you to go, victory! Rip it out! Tear it out and say, God, for you, for your glory. That's what this purpose is. God doesn't shine a light on it to make you feel bad. He shines a light on it to make you feel great. Because when it's exposed, it can get dealt with. And when it gets dealt with, you get free. Come on. So, God, I thank you. I thank you for revealing things in hearts tonight. I know you've been speaking to hearts tonight, God. And, God, I pray tonight no one would walk out of this room going like, oh, that was weird. But that they would deal with things with you right now in this place, right here tonight. That what they're feeling, what they're sensing, you're revealing in their hearts that's offensive, that's just out of line, that's walking the line, that's just not right, would be exposed and uprooted. That they'd be so free from the things that have been binding their hearts that they'd walk out of this place walking on air, God. So free, so light, so delivered. Thank you, Jesus, for your power to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.